of the mind lifted up out of the earth into the heavens by the seven spirits of God. You're gaining seven horned helmets. I was telling these guys before we started broadcasting, I saw a vision of Mandalorian's helmet, the chrome helmet, driving over here. And it's the helmet of salvation in chrome like clear and he says the, the purification of your minds is why the Holy Spirit within you is lifting you up into new elevations literally with your skulls okay with your minds and the bones around your brains they're gonna go up into higher newer levels of breathing more rarefied air than ever before and the seven spirits of God that raise you from the dead, which is the glory of the Father, is going to protrude out of your skull like seven horns. Like uh, a Sith Lord. Yeah. With seven instead of two. Horns in prophecy are not a bad thing like paranoid New Testament Christians who think horns belong to demons, it's not true. <laughs> horns belong to the ox. Horns belong to half the animals that God represents in the Bible. The horns were for the altar of God. The enemy didn't even have horns, right? The enemy was not a horned serpent until Adam gave up his horns, which is his power. In prophetics, horns represent power. We lift up the horns of his altar, which is 
Christ in us. The Lamb of God is the altar of God the Father himself, and the Lamb has seven horns, which is perfect leadership. The perfection of salvation for the mind. Now, we all know we got fire insurance. We believe in Jesus. We love Jesus. We worship Jesus. We do our best to obey Jesus Christ every day in every way. And we're all growing. And it's wonderful. As you grow spiritually, it's transferred morally. And once it goes through your morals, which is right here in the flesh and blood of your beating hearts, it goes up into your skulls into your minds and you're saved mentally <laughs> yeah and it keeps going from there because even when your mind starts to share in the anointing oil that lifts you into the air which is very rare your bones will follow your mind and not just your bones but your organs your flesh the promise of the resurrection, the promise of glorification is a promise of a celestial body and we're learning how to go into the celestial realm and become a celestial bride in the Holy Spirit through the baptism of fire. In previous weeks and all this stuff that the Holy Spirit's been leading us in, we'd have to cut back. There's a pruning. The Father would release incredible revelation, and then it's pruned, it's refined, and there's a cutback that's necessary for the fruit of the vine. If you want more grapes, you cut them back. If you want bigger bushes, if you want bigger fruit, you have to trim it. You have to prune it. And so the refinement of the revelation for greater intoxication, which is a greater elevation, has to be cut through and refined through actual experience in the heavens. Facing the pressures that don't want you to rise from the dead that turn carbon into diamond. And so I'm seeing the Mandalorian's chrome helmet driving here tonight. And he says, the reason why you're experiencing this pressure today, today I dealt with the greatest atmospheric pressure against my skull that I've ever faced in my entire life. For five hours, it's not a migraine, there's no headache, there's nothing physically wrong, it's 100% supernatural because of the elevation that the mind ascends into the heavens through the baptism of fire. A greater baptism than the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire, and the fire is the Shekinah glory. So it's the glory of the Lamb that precedes the baptism of the Holy Spirit that lifts the skull into the celestial dimension to put on a different helmet of salvation. Not saved in the earth. There's no salvation in the earth. You could have perfect doctrine in the earth, but you'll still die and not walk, not walk in any of it. <laughs> you know, you have all the teaching, but you don't have any experience, which means no wisdom. Wisdom stands in the high place and proclaims to the fools down below, come up here, it is written. Which means Christianity is not an earthly religion. It's a celestial experience. Far beyond anything you could ever do in the occult and astral projection and all the witchcraft of the fallen angels and the sorcery of the necromancers of Egypt and the false ascension through 
the spirit of sorcery and witchcraft, that stuff that doesn't require the cross and the crucifixion of the soul and the mind and the sheep gate to the Father is being annihilated. Archangel Uriel over those who rise illegally and sin in the spirit. They get chopped down. So you release rivers out of your skull with the horns of a new leadership in a new helmet that's being put upon your heads today. <laughs> in a major way. And everyone in Joel's army said, Hooray! Hip hip hooray! Hallelujah! It's gonna be fun in the sun. It gets better. The pressure is only for the internal form of the celestial garments. If it's the celestial garments and the Bible tells you it's gemstone, understand the metamorphosis of this season, of this elevation, is in gemstone. Physically, mentally, morally, and spiritually. Spiritually, you're being led by gemstone revelation. It's the quality of the food of the Word of God you're eating into your spirit that's transferred into the soul and the mind and the body. So whatever you're eating into your spirit, which is what you really believe, if you believe in politics and the Republican Party, you are into all of that right now, and they're just all about Elon Musk right now, and their hero in the Republican Party, and we've almost forgot about Trump, and because it's like this whole fascination of politics that's causing en masse delusion and deception in a major way. These are the days of Noah where the things of the earth would completely distract you from the things of the ascension of the baptism of fire taking you into the celestial realm. In the days of Noah, one man was rising, raising a standard of righteousness is what the Bible says about Noah. One preacher raised a standard, raised a bar of righteousness, righteousness which is the Father's spirituality and then flooded the world, which means he was ascending. If he raised the standard, he had to rise in the Father's spirituality, which is the word righteousness. And then when, when he went up high, he brought down the waters. So understand the same exact principle works for us today. Like the days of Noah, there will be a people that go up in the righteousness of Christ in a baptism that's far greater than the Holy Spirit. Now it is still the Holy Spirit, so it's it's just more than just a prayer language and the first down payment of salvation beyond water baptism into spirit baptism into fire baptism, which is becoming acquainted with ascending and descending like the angels. The fire baptism is when you're no longer in human form at all as far as the inner man. The inner man is, you can literally see your angel all the time. The angel of God, I am whom I serve, is being formed in me. I labor amongst you tirelessly until Christ be fully formed in you as a light being, as a manifest son of the kingdom, as a manifest son of God, as a spirit being that's not just the wisp, but a spirit being that stands up angelically. Luke chapter 20, the Bible says that the sons of the resurrection are the angel-like children of God. And since they are the children of the resurrection, they can no longer die. What kind of thing has to be formed inside you that overcomes dying? It requires an ascension and a further baptism of fire to change 
all of the internal workings under your skin. So your diet changes, your desire for food changes, your taste changes, your sight, your smell, your senses, all of it change from one degree of glory to a greater degree of glory. And you decide each elevation of glory to glory, morphine to morphine, metamorphosis to metamorphosis, hatching to hatching, cocoon to cocoon, how high you want to go in Christ. The Bible says that this people will go all the way in the full transformation of the soul and the mind and the body and will overcome death. So first and foremost, you have to discover Christ in your spirit, which is your fuel as a rocket ship. Jesus ascended Acts 1, which means the way of the Lord is not remaining on earth. It's an ascension into the heavens. The way of Jesus Christ is not on the earth. The gospel is not on the earth. The gospel is in mid-air, proclaimed by the angel of God, the book of Revelation says. If the gospel is not being proclaimed from an ascended people in the mid-heavens, mid-air, angelically, from the angelic sphere, by a people who have overcome the earth dimension and its atmosphere of all the fallen angels, you have not in fact even heard the eternal gospel. There's many gospels, Paul says. My gospel is this, 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 the epistles of Paul. But then John the Revelator says in the Bible that the angel was proclaiming the eternal gospel. He calls it the eternal gospel, that gospel, good news, a message in a set of doctrine and teaching from a certain elevation can only be proclaimed by the angel from the mid-air, mid-heavens, which is the angelic sphere, the place of the overcomer. Amen. So this is the dietary system of ascension into the mid-air. And what you'll face externally is everyone trying to keep you down. Irritation, constipation, <laughs> stuff that is just not flowing in the river, trying to hold you down, give you a frown, turn your smile upside down, all around. And you gotta say no to that mess, because you're going after heaven's best. It's important that the prophetic vision of the Word of God paints a vision for your mind to understand promised land overcomer realities. If you are not seeing it, let the Word of God paint a picture in your mind like Bob Ross. Just let we release Bob Ross's paintbrush angel into your foreheads right now to give your mind a vision of the realm of the overcomer. If you read the scriptures, the most important thing you can become in life is an overcomer of the world, the devil, and sin. This is what you're warring against in blood covenant with Jesus Christ in you. Amen. <laughs> yeah. One comes after me, John the Baptist, the Bible says, whose sandals am not fit to untie, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and 
fire and is a separate baptism. Hebrews chapter 6, the scriptures say, the foundation of Christianity must be laid in you, which is baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. Then if God permits, we can move forward in advanced teaching. And then it says in the Amplified Classic, training in righteousness. Training in righteousness is how to rule and reign with Christ during during the millennium reign. <laughs> Training for reigning. But if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seek it. If you haven't been baptized in water, get it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you don't have the baptism of fire, this is where the vanguard of the armies of the living God in the whole world are at right now. In the baptism of fire, the, the ascension to the angelic sphere, which is written in Revelation 5.10. We'll go there first. Thank you, Jesus. This pressure is wonderful. Now, you're surrounded by animals full, full of demon spirits and religious spirits, so you have to stay focused. This is a time like David and his mighty men where they slept with their armor on, with their sword in their hand as they slept, which is a wonderful thing, to be covered and marinated in the full armor of God 24-7, 365. You never can take your armor off. You are surrounded by hostile enemy armies that are wanting to shut you down because you're marked for Jesus Christ. Not marked of the beast, which is the flesh. You're marked of the Holy Spirit as an overcomer. Predestined, foreordained in this generation to overcome, but you still have to learn it and apply it and practice it even though your heart is in it and you love God and you want to walk with God into the heavens like Jesus did. He walked right with the Father into the heavens. They watched him go into heaven. Elisha watched Elijah go up in a whirlwind into heaven. And if you can keep your eyes on me, I will give you a mantling of a double portion. So it means you have to be focused during this time, like the days of Noah, when everyone is distracted by demons that are being utterly destroyed everywhere inside the soul dimension of sinners who practice the earth, which is the dust of the earth. They practice sin. They're good in the earth. They live in the knowledge of good and evil, and they're earthbound, and they have no desire to be heavenly bound. Those ones that reject the baptism of fire and ascend and do not ascend to overcome, Revelation 2 and 3, nine times it is written, to ascend and overcome the church age of the earth dimension, those who do not overcome, Revelation 12, 12 says, Blessed are they who live in the heavens and inhabit the heavens, but woe to them who inhabit the earth, for Satan has been thrown down to you, because this overcoming, conquering people is taking the mid-heavens to proclaim the eternal gospel from the mid-heavens, mid-air, in Jesus' name. Amen. Then one of the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin said to me, Stop weeping, see the lion? Of the tribe of Judah, the root source of David has won, has overcome and conquered. He can open the scroll and break its seven seals, and there between the throne and the four living 
creatures, beings, and among the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns. That is your chrome helmets. Amen. The truth is, I'll tell you right now, if you want some parables from what the Holy Ghost is doing, using parables in the earth today, we're restoring the planet Mandalore. It's true. And the Mandalorian mines, where the living waters are in the caves of Mandalore. So you can be restored to your original creed, which is obedience to the law of love. The Garden of Eden. To be mighty soldiers of God the Father. I mean, if Jesus is captain of the hosts, the Lord of hosts is his most common name in the Bible for Jesus Christ. Don't you think his brothers and sisters will also be captains of hosts? The Bible says they'll be captains of hundreds and captains of thousands. Of not just angel armies, soldiers of Christ, Christian armies. This is a Christian army. You're not born again in church, you're born again in the army of God. <laughs> be a good soldier, Paul says to Timothy in the Bible. Put on the full armor of God, Paul says in Ephesians. Amen? So we're learning how to fight the good fight of faith with the abilities of the Holy Spirit throughout our entire soul infused. And the demons are scared out of their mind, nervous, and that's why they're desperately lying to people, attacking any soldier who's interested in ascending in the baptism of fire. You're marked by the enemy and constantly attacked. They'll attack your finances, they'll attack your relationships, they'll attack all of it, but if you're fully armored and you're in obedience and the fire baptism is covering you on the outside, not just on the inside, it has to be on the outside. Armor goes on the outside of the body because what's on the inside is the garden of Eden where you walk with the Father in the coolness of the day. What's on the inside is the throne room of Jesus Christ and the throne room of Almighty God. And the kingdom of heaven is inside you, Luke 17, 21, it is written. And then it comes through you and wraps you on the outside as armor. So you look as like one person, a human being. You look like an animal. You look like a homo sapien mammal, but you're actually a soldier and that's why other animals that don't have the same belief systems, the same Holy Spirit, the same glory, the same sanctification, consecration unto God and the purposes of God are attacking you, mocking you, slandering you, scoffing you, and trying to get you to back off from your zeal for the Father's house. But you won't back off. In fact, it encourages you to go deeper when you start to see the demons manifesting on you because you're on the right track, the path of righteousness, shining ever brighter, going from fire to fire, which is glory to glory. So the baptism of the fire is 2 Corinthians 3.18, glory to glory. I make my ministers or my sons flames of Yahweh, fire. Yahweh Ash, the Lord is fire. Ash is the Hebrew word for fire. Amen. Our God is an all-consuming fire. It's also an all-consuming glory. I myself will be a wall 
of fire round about you, declares the Lord, and glory within you. The cloud by day, glory, fire by night, pillar. Both of them constantly working and interchanging from spirit, soul, mind, and body, upgrading your armor through your obedience to the prophetic commandment. The Bible says, in order to be upgraded, you must obey the Holy Spirit. So obedience becomes the children's bread or the upgrade of their armor, the upgrade of their spirit. We go from one degree of strength and anointing and stature and ability to another degree of strength and stature and anointing and ability. It is written strength to strength, book of Psalms. So the anointing in your inner man is an ever increasing oil. Now what is it doing in your heart? It's burning it up, it's healing it up. If you're wounded, the oil is healing. If you're healed, the oil is glorifying. Before you can be glorified, you first and foremost have to be anointed and healed, which means consecrated and set apart from the human for the divine. You cannot serve God in a human nature. You cannot serve God in an earthly, in an earthly elevation. It's not possible. You cannot speak truth from the earth. There's no truth on the earth. Zero. I said in my astonishment, all men are liars, but we don't have a man in us. We have the Holy Ghost in us. We are not men and women. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6:19. it is written. The humanistic aspect of the Antichrist, the antagonist of Christ, is what's fighting the understanding that you have the divine nature in you conquering the animal nature. You're not going to have 666 on your forehead long, but when you're born again, it's there, which means you have a carnal mind, but you're constantly transfigured by the renewing of your mind, which is the removing of the mark of the beast from your foreheads. And it's not this end time system taught in the Baptist church or some Pentecostal churches of you can't buy and sell and you microchips and guillotines and fear and paranoia and rapture. That's all garbage. It's not true at all. The truth is the ascension and the hope of the resurrection, which was the hope of every apostle in the first century. The hope that you'd be so transformed, transfigured of soul, Acts 20, 32, that you'd be so consecrated and transformed and purified that you would be lifted out of the earth angelically by your spirit into the heavens and become the living amongst the dead so that you have God the Father literally consuming your whole soul and you're out looking with the eyes of the Father's glory at human flesh of people still in darkness and deep darkness so that everything you do releases glory into them. You are light and the children of light, but you're surrounded by darkness, the Bible says. So you are the light of the world, the Bible says. The world has no light in it. There's no light in the mid-heavens except the light that you bring up there by your rocket fuel of the Holy Ghost outflowing from your belly with rivers of glory. John 7:38. out of your belly or innermost being, it says in Greek, will flow rivers of creative power and ability that is fully angelic as God is or be spirit as God is spirit, John 4:24. Spirit and angel, same word in both Hebrew and Greek. Spirit and angel, same thing. 
We think spirit and it's like this ether because the unrenewed mind, the beast, hates the angelic. Hates it because it's their end. It will If you get angelic, you'll be working with the angels to destroy the works of the devil constantly. And so you're fighting the carnal mind that is resisting, and that's the devil inside the brain, and the, the unexercised senses, the unpurified senses of the eyes, the mouth, the ears, and the nose that have Satan in it. Satan was defeated at the place of the cross, which gives us a possibility to use our crosses as disciples to overcome Satan in our own souls, in our own minds, in our own brains. If you actually do it, guess what? You can't die. So how many actually have? Five in 2,000 years? Get a life. So it's a possibility if you use and sacrifice the same amount as Jesus to overcome and conquer Abaddon, an angel of death. You know, in order to do that, you have to just get all the death out of your DNA. How do we do that? By faith in the Word of God on fire, burning up all the layers of your animal hearts and minds. See, a heart is not common to a human being. Your cat has a heart. Your dog has a heart. What's the difference between a dog heart and a human heart? The only difference is you have a spirit and the dog doesn't have a spirit. You could say, oh, DNA and genetics and blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, it's animal. It's beast. It's a different type of beast. It's a different type of animal. It's truly reptilian. And that's the truth anyhow. It's fully reptile. It's a serpent body. Jesus used his sinful serpent body to take the sins of the world to the cross. The bronze pole of Moses, anybody that looked at the dead snake or the crucified Jesus' flesh was healed. In the Bible, it is written, God has flesh, God has an animal form, lion of the tribe of Judah. It's an animal, it's a beast. Truvenia, he's also a dove. But here's the thing, here's the kicker. He's also a snake, serpent class. The highest, most cunning class of flesh and ability of the natural realm, which is kingship. Truth in you, the Bible says in Isaiah 14, once you get through the I am's of Satan, it gets into the promise of destroying Satan, which is, sounds like a Satan, but it's actually Jesus, the great dragon. Do not rejoice, you Phil Philistines, for out of Judah will come a fire-breathing dragon. Jesus Christ. Don't rejoice, demons, because out of Judah, you know, where the Savior comes from, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of David, from out of Judah will come a fire-breathing Hebrew word seraph or dragon. It's where you get the word dragons in this world. And we're just... Oh, the dragon's the devil. That's not true. The devil is not a lion. The devil is not a dragon. The devil is a thief. Jesus is a lion. Jesus is a dragon. The word dragon comes from the understanding of the seraphim. Seraphim is Hebrew for fire serpent or fire snake. So if you have a snake in the garden, that means you have a fallen seraphim in the garden. All these angels down here tempting you to forfeit your eternal destinies to not become what God created you to be are liars. They're the ones holding you back from becoming what Christ created you to be in your spirit.
Now you can hear this truth, apply it to your brain and nothing ever happened. But if you put it into your spirit and your spirit grows as an angel of God by the divine sperm seed of God the Father in 1 John, then your spirit has the potential possibility of overcoming your soul, goat, and your flesh, goat, and to be pure spirit. And underneath your spirit is your transfigured skull. It'll crystallize, it'll turn diamond. Uh-huh, it'll be glorified celestial body. That's what the Bible teaches. You have the same exact celestial flesh as Jesus Christ, Philippians and Corinthians, both written in the Bible about the changing of the body by the spirit rising through the soul. Peter says the same thing. This is the hope of the resurrection. This is the hope of the awakening. This is the hope of glory. What's the hope of glory? It's the baptism of fire that you would continue to grow in the fire until you've burnt away all the false fire in the heavens. Second heavens is the place of false fire. It's the place of all religious angels. There's no religion in this world except from 200 million fallen angels. That's where it came from. Once you take something out of the glory, out of the freedom, well, there's no religion in heaven. You read about it in the Bible and people are so fallen, they think it's religious when you talk about Jesus in heaven. There's zero, zero religion there. There's only fun there. It's only maximum pleasure at my right hand, the Bible says. It's only fun in heaven. There's no religious activity in heaven. Zero. There's no rituals. There's no church. Zero. None of it. Truth or not, it's all about pleasure and fun all the time. That's what heaven actually is. The second heavens, the fallen angels, have turned it into religion. Turned it even the prophetic into religion. And there's protocol and there's all these rules and legalism. And if you don't have this interpretation, you're, you're, you're a false prophet. It's not about the doctrines in the brains. It's about elevations of sacrifice of animal natures and peeling back the goat layer after layer to have more and more fun with your friends. Luke 15, it is written. <laughs> so those who have risen the highest have the most fun with their friends, but it's cost them different degrees in their heart and mind. This universe is measured by the creator who died in it. He was lifted up into the highest heavens in the mountain overseeing all the kingdoms of this world. He went up to the 33rd degree. Satan took Jesus to the top of the highest mountain in the mid heavens, mid air, and said, I will give you everything down there, all the kingdoms of the world, all the wandering stars that animate their brains down below where they get their Greek gods and their Roman gods and all those celestial demons. And he said, I will give you all these kingdoms, the seven mountains, I will give them to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus Christ quoted Deuteronomy and says, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God alone. And he alone is worthy to worship. So he, even though he ascended into the highest place, you can only get there through the sacrifice of the Lamb. Jesus, because he never sinned, could have the legal inheritance there and defeat the devil there. But no one would have access to that point. That's called the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. No one would ever be able to ascend into the angelic sphere unless Jesus died on the cross. That's what the cross purchased. The possibility of overcoming the cosmos and the wandering stars and the demon gods of the celestial dimension that influences everyone's 
skulls and breath. The four winds of heaven prophesy to lift up the dry bones from earth, where? Into the heavens. Four winds of heaven. You have to go up into the heavens through the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Ghost. So we're getting into the gospel like Moses who walked on sapphire pavement into heaven and ate with God face to face, the Bible teaches. Amen? Amen. Which means sapphire is the constant feasting of revelation, not just for fascination like Greeks who seek knowledge, that's demonic, but for building stones in the spirit to lift God up, hold, you know, priesthood, royal priesthood, carrying the ark within, and God be lifted up in us, his people, the body of Christ. And the Bible says, so for the body to meet the head. Okay, you're built up into the head that is Christ. Where's the head? One man is the head. He's a man in flesh. His flesh is transfigured, but yet at some point when he was down here 2,000 years ago, it wasn't. And he looked just like a normal person like me and you. But he had an extraordinary ability because he was totally yielded to the Holy Spirit in his spirit, the Messiah Jesus of Nazareth. That's the head of the body of all the living that will be ascended through fire into the heavens. Preach the gospel midair because most people haven't heard the eternal gospel. We get messages every day. People only heard the Lutheran gospel, the Pentecostal gospel, the charismatic gospel, you know, the gospel of signs and wonders and miracles. But the full gospel has to be the gospel of the baptism of fire and the ascension into the angelic sphere of the realm of the overcomers of Revelation 2 and 3. Otherwise, you're still on the earth with all the Christian junk and you're just as big a mess as everyone else. But if you ascend, that mess is so far below you. Guess what takes care of that mess below you through ascension? The same power that lifted you up is down there cleaning it up and working for you by its own power. His name is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the power of your resurrection and the power of your staying resurrected. And the higher you go up, the more power is underneath you as a throne in the Father's house of glory and power. Amen. An ascended Son of God, an overcomer in the angelic sphere, is reigning. And the Apostle Paul says, oh, you Corinthians have already overcome, you're already reigning. I wish it were true so we could come and join in the kingdom age with you. But they were not in the kingdom age. They were in the church age and they were getting brutally murdered by the Caesars and arrested and sold into slavery. So they were not overcoming. They were actually, in, in fact, being slaughtered. That's not overcoming. This losing to death is not overcoming. A martyr did not overcome. Death defeated them. We're going to defeat death and not be martyred. We're going to be crucified with Christ, which is so much greater than martyrdom. It's anyone can buy a one-way ticket to some Middle Eastern country, get off the plane, say, Jesus is Lord, and get decapitated in 15 minutes. You're not a martyr. You're an idiot. You didn't overcome anything. You're still terrestrial. You didn't ascend, and they just lopped your head off because you got outside of the ascension into your own strange fire things you can do that you think are God, but it's just soulish animal activity. The animal's got to die, and the Holy Spirit's got to be formed through all your heart, which is your feelings and emotions. All of them have to be burned out, so the only feelings and emotions you have is the fruit of the Spirit, and you're consistent. You don't have bad days or good days. 
the enemy might throw stuff at you, but the fruit is always the same in you. You're connected to the vine, bearing fruit and fruit that lasts. You can't be shaken if you got the real deal in you. If you can be shaken, it's because you're fake. If your emotions, your feelings can be shaken, it's that you don't even know him. And it reveals our immaturity. And if you can take that in humility, that you're easily shaken by the enemy and not blame others, but realize he's not really formed in me. I don't even know if I've even started sanctification. Like I probably have fire insurance. I believe in Jesus, but am I as rock solid to weather every storm? And when a storm passes, I'm standing on the solid rock and everything the storm had, the treasures are laid at your feet, storm after storm. If you're building on the solid rock, that means storms work for you. Each storm that came upon Jesus promoted his ministry. Because you can't, you can't shake the Creator. What is creation going to do to the Creator? Even rebellious creation does nothing to the Creator. You know, Solomon used demons to build his temple in the Old Covenant. The demons were his slaves. In this New Covenant, the angels are our willing servants. But in the Old Covenant, demons were servants. They learned sorcery, animal sacrifice, flesh and blood. There was tremendous amounts of sorcery in the Old Testament. It was not a perfect testament. God had glimpses into the New Covenant and the perfect covenant. But the types and shadows, if you're practicing types and shadows, if you're an Old Testament style New Covenant Christian, you're a freaking warlock. Guaranteed a witch. Repent and come into the New Covenant where there's no types and shadows and the river of life will possess you and carry you up into the realities of a permanent promised land. Revelation 5.10 where you will rule and reign for a millennia. Amen? He then went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves before the Lamb. Each was holding a harp, lute, or guitar, and they had golden balls full of incense, fragrant spices, and gums for burning which are the prayers of God's people, the saints. And now they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to break the seals that are on it. For you are slain and sacrificed, and with your blood you purchase men unto God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Revelation 5 verse 10, and you have made them a kingdom and a royal race, and priests to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth. And if you study that out, it's from the heavenly sphere, to be over the earth, not from earth, over the earth. Then I looked and I heard many voices of many angels on every side of the throne, and of the living creatures and the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin, and they numbered 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice, Deserving is the Lamb who was sacrificed to receive all the power, and all the riches, and all the wisdom, and all the might, and all the honor, and all the majesty, all the glory, all the splendor, and all the blessing. Amen? 
and I heard every created thing in heaven and on earth and under the earth in Hades, the place of departed spirits and on the sea and all that is in it crying out together to him who is seated on the throne and to the lamb be ascribed the blessing and the honor and the majesty the glory the splendor and the power might dominion forever and ever through the eternity of the eternities then the four living creatures being said amen and the elders of the heavenly sanhedrin prostrated themselves and worshiped him who lives forever and ever amen revelation 14 then I looked, and behold, the Lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 men who had his name and his father's name inscribed on their foreheads. So it's that new helmet. What's been inscribed on your forehead is whatever you've been thinking about and looking at, which is called your God. What are you looking at? It's your God. You know, you can look at God with your mind and have his name inscribed in your forehead. Even though it does take the study of the Bible, the Bible is manifest by the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Jews, the rabbis, they would put the scriptures right on their forehead in these little boxes. Joshua 1, 8, meditate on the word of God and the law of God nay, uh, night and day and you will inherit the promised land. <laughs> Amen. Meditate on the verses of the Bible night and day, which means what is it going to do? It's going to crucify your mind. This word will come alive by the Holy Spirit right through your foreheads. I mean, the, the teaching that I, that I come from comes from an experience of spending tens of thousands of hours in the Bible. Five years of Bible college, that's 10,000 hours, and then I studied the Bible constantly up to eight hours a day for about 10 years, 24-7, the audio Bible and the scriptures continuously. Do you understand? You need that much Word because the Word is what remodels your DNA. People will say, well, it's, it's, it should be easier than that. Well, you should be hungrier than that. Because the word is food for your spirit and you can put it in your spirit. The eyes are the windows to the soul and your spirit is the center of your soul. So if you can put it right into your spirit, if it's not all blocked up with animal, and so the word will actually cut through the animal into the spirit. And so let the anointing come upon the word of God in a major way. So when you read the word, it actually goes into the center of your soul. Through your eyes, the windows of your soul, a lot of times it doesn't make it all the way down there because we're buried in religion. It needs to hit the mark. If it doesn't hit the mark, it's sin. To fall short of the mark and to miss the mark is sin. What's the mark? The word hitting your spirit. It just goes in your eyes and just stays inside your skull and your head just gets bigger and you're just feeding your head. Pride comes before a fall. Mere knowledge, no experience. What's experience? Hitting the spirit, hitting the mark. So when your spirit is active and energized and hungry and you're feeding your spirit and not your head, guess what? Every time you spend time in the Word, you get stronger, get well-fed. 
But so revelation, understanding the plumbing of God for the word of God to pierce through the mind. If you hold on to it in your head, you get headstrong. You become total antichrist. But if you let go in your head and bury it in your spirit, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. And the cross is the possibility of the Bible, the written Logos word of God going into your spirit. When it hits your spirit, it combusts as fire. That's what builds up your spirit in the most holy face. Praying always or eating always. Killing the goat and feasting inside the Father's house is the Father's word, which is a fun activity to build up your spirit. You know why reading the Bible is boring for people? Because it dies in the soul. It's just darkness. You're actually putting rules into the mind of do's and don'ts. You're using the Bible as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is sorcery. So it's a good thing you hate sorcery, because you hate boring religion. So does God. God hates that. What God likes is the spirit. God is the spirit. When you put the word into the spirit, it's jet fuel, it's rocket fuel. Then you can ascend by how much word you have in your spirit. It's how much revelation you have. Without revelation, there's no ascension. That's why we teach every day. This isn't something that everyone just automatically happens, kumbaya, I'm born again. No, after people are born again, you read about it in the book of Acts, they're utterly clueless preaching false gospels. And then Paul had to go around because he turned all the Old Testament into his spirit through 17 years of sanctification in Arabia, according to the book of Galatians. And he taught them more accurately the way of God because they were way off. They had zeal, but no revelation. They were just taking external ideas, man's ideas, and then just telling the divine things on earth that they thought they knew about. Everyone's right in their own eyes until they're tested by wisdom. And wisdom will slaughter self-righteousness. Human teaching is diabolical. Christianity of the earth is diabolical. If you are using Christianity in a, as a mere human being, you're practicing witchcraft. But if you're using it in the spirit for ascension, to be in union for God, to pleasure God, and the Holy Spirit is well pleased with you, and the Holy Spirit's present with you, the Holy Spirit loves you, he's closer than a brother, Emmanuel, amen, and the Holy Spirit will guide you in what pleases him constantly. So your main objective is to please the Spirit. When you hear the word, it should prick your hearts and convict you of the Holy Spirit. What is the conviction of the Holy Spirit? To remove the junk from your heart and mind, from your animal nature, your souls, that's in the way of you knowing the Lord better. And then you know the Lord as a man of light, a faceless man, and he wears your face just like the demons used to, just like the spirit of lust used to, just like the spirit of religion used to just like all the demons used to, or the ranged principalities that don't even need to be in you, but are just shooting fiery arrows into your head and controlling you by hooks and cables and cords from the second heavens, light years away. And that's how they control most people. Most people aren't demon possessed, they're just controlled by arrows. Fiery arrows of the evil one, which means you just have a hook in you. Like the hooks of the Egyptians when they'd mummify people. You know, how long is that string, the silver cord? of the second heavens, demon and warlock, into your nostrils, controlling your brain around, and you're being fed lies into your brain. Darkness is on the land, but deep darkness fed into you by diabolical thrones and principalities of the mid heavens, in Satan's kingdom and seven mountains. 
these birds are fallen angels, many of them archangels. And even Paul, in his great wisdom, says powerful demon gods in Ephesians 6. Powerful demon gods. It's no joke. Most people just get totally destroyed. And in fact, if you don't ascend, the Bible says, let's go to Revelation 12. If you don't ascend, the Bible says, the devil will just eat you up. <laughs> it's, it's terrible for those that reject the baptism of fire. If you stay on the earth, what does the Bible say? Woe to you. There are woes to the believers. The whole book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ to believers only. So it is guidelines for success because God loves you, but you need to understand what God's doing and how he's defeating the enemy. And if you are not aware, the Bible says you'll perish with the enemy for lack of revelation. It's written in the word. Okay. Revelation 12.1, And a great sign, wonder, warning of future events and ominous significance appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and with a crown-like garland tiara of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out in her birth pains, in the anguish, anguish of her delivery. Then another ominous sign, wonder, was seen in heaven. Behold, a huge, fiery, red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, and seven kingly crowns, diadems upon his head. His tail swept across the sky and dragged down a third of the stars and flung them to the earth. Idolatry. Demons. And the dragon stationed himself. Notice that the flinging down of the fall of the angels is in star form. Because the Holy Ghost loves you so much, he wants you to understand how demons work through false light, which is the light of external things in the brain, but we have the light of Christ in our spirit. Different light, it's a light war. But all understanding of demonology and your enemy is in light spectrums of created light, fallen stars, or creative light, the bright morning star, Christ in you. So you have to become progressively more in that light. That's the baptism of fire, glory to glory. Otherwise, these demon lights will control you through politics, religion, world events, inflation, anything, religion, even a zeal to win souls. Strange fire activity is one of the main killers of believers. Not a small one, one of the main ones. So if you're in the glory, you're controlled by the glory. Unless the spirit of glory builds the house on the inside, the laborers, which means all soulish and mental activity, is vanity. What is vanity? In vain. External garbage that has the appearance of godliness, but denies the power thereof. What's the power thereof? The Holy Spirit didn't authorize it. The Holy Spirit is the one who does it. Not the evil spirit, not the human, not the person, God himself is the only person who does the works of God in the entire kingdom of God. You are not workers. You are temples of the worker. His name is the Holy Ghost. All you got to do now is know him by feeding on his word. The more you eat, the more you defeat the enemy. <laughs> And the dragon stationed himself in front of the woman, which is Soul, who is about to be delivered. Amen. So that he might devour her child as soon as she brought it forth. What is that? The birthing of the man-child. The birthing of your spirit. 
the birthing of your sonship, the birthing of your ascension into the place where the dragon is and where he threw down one-third of the stars. And she brought forth a male child, one who is destined to shepherd and rule all the nations, all flesh, all blood, all DNA, all the heavens, all the earth, everything under the earth, with an iron staff and scepter of God's spirituality. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman herself fled into the desert, the wilderness, where she has a retreat prepared for her by God, in which she is to be fed and kept safe for 1260 days, 42 months, three and one half years. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to battle. So you're looking at the sanctification of the believer's soul, which is the wilderness, for however long it takes to get purified to ascend to where he was caught up to, in the heavens through fire. But then the war breaks out once you're born again. So this is speaking of someone born again. Who is he who overcomes the world, who defeats the devil? He who believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, First John says. So we're talking about a conversion here. And now, after conversion and believing in Jesus Christ, where does the woman or the soul, in prophetics, woman means soul, where does the soul go? Into the wilderness. And who's in the wilderness? The red dragon to devour her. Then war breaks out. This is true of every single person's conversion for the last 2,000 years. War breaks out because you're getting into the same Jesus on the inside through faith that was down here physically. So the devil reacts to you the same way he did to the man Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. That's why it's the same for everyone, because it's the same Jesus in everyone who believes in the real Jesus. And so the devil reacts the same way, to devour you in the wilderness, in the time of the purification and transformation and glorification of the 33 degrees of the human soul. Crossing the Red Sea, let's see if you can make it in the wilderness. What's in the wilderness? The Bible says the red dragon. But war breaks out and Michael, which is the angels, begin to help you. When Jesus was in the wilderness, the Bible says it was so terrible that angels had to come and comfort him. Amen. So the soul is dealing with the wilderness that is so terrible with devils because you're confronting the entire curse of the fall and one third of the angels that fell in that place of being sanctified, being tempted, being tested in the wilderness. How many days, however many days it, it takes for you to come out of Earth's atmosphere and to be pegged above the snake line by your personal ascension in your baptism of Jesus Christ's fire. Most Christians don't ascend, so they have major problems their entire lives. That's not normal Christianity. Once we get past the baptism of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, all the wonderful fruits of the Spirit, there is a greater thing yet. The baptism of God's glory, which is in degrees and elevations of ascension. 2 Corinthians 3.18, from one dimension to another dimension by the Spirit who is the Lord. That's what it says in Greek, dimensions or degrees, which is how high you can get. Getting to the high place where Jesus purchased the top of the mountains and staying there 
counting the cost and having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit that gives Christ in you the legal right and entitlement to that elevation in your inner man. Jesus has right to the top of the universe and to all the seven mountains of the world. They are His now. But you have a sinful nature and so the devils don't want to give you what belongs to Jesus because you're mere humans, you're sinners. But if you get cleaned up, sanctified, purified, transformed, all that's in there is Christ and you get the inheritance of the mountaintops. That's why purification, sanctification, the overcoming of the wilderness is essential for every believer. It doesn't need to take 40 years. It doesn't. It will take years though. And they're wonderful years. This is how you intimately get to know God through the purification of your soul. And all the hypocrisy, all the pride, all the lust, all the witchcraft, all the sorcery, all the division, faction, strife, envy, jealousy, all the nonsense of the animals, all the sins of the fallen angels get burnt out of all the layers of your soul and you're purified from all unrighteousness, however long it takes. That depends on your reaction to the Holy Spirit discipling you and your reaction to those who've already been discipled through the process that's the same for everyone amen yeah. glory Whoa. war breaks out in heaven and michael and his angels go forth revelation 12 7 amen thank god for michael sent to help us in the bible You're, there's zero chance you'd make it without him He's the one that deals with the red dragon in the wilderness. <laughs> and the warring angels like you because you're into their creator, God. And so they like to fight for you. It's an honor for them. It's an honor for the angels to war for those going through the process of sanctification, purification, and glorification of soul out of the wilderness into the promised land through fire in the angelic sphere. Because you'll become just as angelic as they are however long it takes as you keep eating and revelating and levitating. <laughs> so Michael is going forth and his angels. Isn't that great? You have Sa Satan and his angels and Michael and his angels. Doesn't even say Jesus and his angels. Why? Because Jesus is inside the soul of the woman in the wilderness. That's Jesus, the body of Christ. It's Michael and his angels, not Jesus and his angels. <laughs> Revelation 12, 7. Amen. Because you're learning how to be a Christian, an anointed one of angel armies. So Michael is beginning to work with the bride as she's purified in the wilderness. Hey. To serve the bride in the bridal carriage of Song of Solomon, the king and his wife have all the angel armies obeying the every command and desire of the king and queen in the Bible. But to become the bride of Christ and the queen of King Jesus, it requires this process. You can't just jump into being a bride. There is a purification of the animal out of the soul and the mind for Christ to be fully formed in you. You have to be as sanctified as he is. You have to be a chaste virgin. The Bible says that Paul in all of his ministry is to present humanity as a chaste virgin to Jesus. A chaste virgin, not just refraining from external immorality. Your thought life purified that you can't think a negative thought. You cannot even think an immoral negative thought about yourself or about others. It's impossible to look upon 
flesh and lust, which is what chaste virgin means. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit has to do that work. That's not humanly possible. To be that pure of soul and mind is the miracle called transfiguration of your soul. That's what you are in a process of right now. How far will you go? As far as you're taught. So we need teachers teaching this stuff. Let all the pastors begin teaching ascension and transformation out of the wilderness into the heavens so that people can see the path to go up to overcome all the junk in their soul. To present to Jesus a chaste virgin bride. Paul says it's the summation of all his ministry. To purify people at a thought level. To have perfect thoughts all the time. And then you read each other's thoughts. When you're that pure inside your soul, inside your mind, you'll know the thoughts of every heart around you. And you won't see anything wrong with people. You'll only see potential of their spirit because you'll see as God sees through the cross. You're not a critical spirit. You're not a judgmental spirit. You're not an accusational spirit. You're the spirit of the Lamb, the bride of Christ. The spirit of the Lamb sees everything through the process of sanctification. God sees things completed before they even start, the eyes of God. God sees the finished product before you even fix your mess. He'll see the whole manure pile, but he'll see the process of what it's going to take you to become gold, refined in fire seven times, which means infinite, infinite fire. God is fire himself. This is not something that ever ends. God never ends. Seven fire means infinite fire. Seven blazing torches burn forever in heaven. It's eternity. And coming into the place of eternity in the seven spirits of God. A union in heaven and no longer on earth, orbiting over the earth as kings and priests. Okay, so Revelation 1 is to the kings and priests of earth. Then you go up into the heavens, and now you're no longer kings and priests on earth. You're kings and priests over the earth in Revelation 5. So you're growing out of the earth. Revelation lifts you out of the earth. Your atmosphere shifts. People have been telling me for 10 years, when I watch Joel's bars, my ears pop because your soul's ascending by feeding on the eternal gospel being preached to you midair angelically. What's angelically? Supernaturally by God's righteousness in the heavens. The heaven of heavens are the Lord's. So the righteousness of the heaven of heavens that is able to be inside our bodies now through the death of Jesus is poured out through the internal elevation of the overcomers. So you're hearing a celestial gospel. You're hearing a celestial teaching. That's why those down on earth full of the realm of the dead and woe to the inhabitants of the earth of one third of the stars flung down to you are responding to a celestial gospel, an eternal gospel in the temporal realm full of darkness. Even Christians who haven't been sanctified, purified of soul and delivered by Archangel Michael are responding with demons and sin in the soul. Is it always sin? Is it always demons? No, sometimes it's just sin. Animal. The beast is given a voice. The beast is not a demon. The beast is human DNA. The beast is being a homo sapien sapien mammal, a warm-blooded animal. So the animal talks and responds to the angelic gospel of those purified of soul and transfigured in the ascension of the fire of God. 
and their response is usually terrible, wicked, blasphemy, constantly rejecting and attacking things they know nothing about because they're under the curse of the fall. And so those that suffer are even purified greater still for the glory of God. Because you still have a body and a temple down on earth, but your angel is built up into the heavenlies. Your temple is different on earth, it's more blessed on earth, but it's still a connection to the terrestrial realm, even though you're a celestial soul. The soul rises, which is the mountain of the Lord. The Bible teaches the mountain of the Lord will rise as chief of all the mountains in the last days, Isaiah. Mountain of the Lord is soul and spirit. It's the inner man. The outer man is still on earth. How long will the outer man be on earth? Until the soul of woman or the soul of man, the bride of Christ, is ruling from the angelic sphere. It could be a thousand years, but the body would be totally different. It would be a total outpouring of the celestial realm. See, your internal person has elevations in it. People breathe different air at different elevations. Animals live at different elevations in this world. That's biblical days of Noah accurate teaching. The book of Enoch describes all nations as different animals. Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul says, All unbelievers bear the image of birds, beasts, and reptiles, animals. So birds are a higher dimension, beasts are, are a lower dimension, and reptiles even lower still. So you have everyone bearing the image of these powerful demon gods, and so the fallen angels promote some according to favoritism, brown nosing, suck up anointing, religious crap and politics, and you got to know someone and do all this stuff, that caste system of people pleasing and all the works of the flesh of how you get ahead in Satan's kingdom through flesh. Usually manipulation, the biggest witch gets the biggest paycheck. That's how it works. The most manipulative liar makes the most money in Babylon. That's how it has been. Until wisdom comes with justice skills and brings judgment. Amen. And now it's not going to be based on the abilities of the flesh that are all sorcery and witchcraft. It's going to be based on the, the mountain of the soul and its purity in the content of the treasure of the revelation and the quality of the treasure in the soul, which is the measurement of your wisdom which is your actual rank inside the kingdom of God right now. That's justice. Believers reward some silver, some gold, some gemstones, and some a ton of all of it, depending on how much treasure you have in your soul, which is your mountain. And if your mountain keeps conquering more and more stuff, it rises as chief of all the mountains of the last days until Zion, the mountain of the Father's soul, and the sons and daughters in union with the Father's soul, here, present now as the seven spirits of God, have conquered the whole natural realm of stars and sands for Abraham's promises devouring the celestial realm. But when you spearhead it and pioneer it, it has to go up like a spear point. It's not a broad mountain at first because it's just a couple overcomers, a couple celestial Christians that learn the baptism of fire by a deep passion for the deeper things of God at the sacrifice of their soul and humanity to become fully angelic. Amen. This is the teaching of the sons of God and the rulership of the sons of God of how it practically works for the next thousand years. 
Amen. And people are going to get a hold of this message and do it and become it. And it'll be made flesh. It'll be a reality more real than their bank account. It'll transform everything underneath them as this ascension becomes real in the fire of God. The fire becomes all that you see and feel. And it's not a false fire. It's not a disappointing fire. It's a fire that always prospers and blesses and produces peace and fruitfulness. We have been so mixed with second heaven's fire that we don't even understand the fire of God. We've had a mixture of both. But because our gospel is a mixture of terrestrial and celestial, you have both the curse and the blessing in you at the same time, double-minded, unstable in all your way. Good days, bad days. No consistency. But when you get a rock-solid, eternal gospel and a fortification of a band of sons going after the mark of the high calling, understanding by direct revelation what Jesus Christ purchased for us in the rulership of this universe, and they're fully God-inside-minded, and they're going up and they're maintaining the territory that they conquer in the heavens, then people begin to join in. This is the great overcoming, the great awakening. Awakening means to, for your spirit to devour your soul. No one awakens in soul. You awaken in spirit, devouring soul. If the soul's awakened, you're just awakened to witchcraft and religion. And you just get into pride and performance and works. That doesn't do anything. The devil owns you. When you get into spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus beware, Paul says, in your spirit, as your spirit conquers, in covenant with God the Father, who's the spirit, the Father of spirits, the Father of glory, the Father of the light of your spirit, which is the density of the brightness of your eternal nature, stirring up treasures in heaven means the brightness of your spirit, and it doesn't wane. It doesn't get dimmer. This is not a dimming, fading glory. The ever-increasing glory is for spirit only. Amen. And what it does is devour the goat soul, the flesh, the heart, the animal. And it's constantly piercing through it into the blood dimension of Egypt and the Nile in human blood and human hearts. And Jesus said, that's where the whole battlefield is. When you get into the Nile, you get it. When the spirit begins to confront the heart, the four chambers of the heart, and the heart being having all the container of all the fallen angels in it by the bloodlines of the fallen nations. The container of the fallen angels is human bloodlines. Tower of Nimrod, 70 root nations. What are these roots? The roots of the nations. What is the nation? The word nation means ethnicities or bloodlines. This is the container of all the devils in the world. What does the Bible say? She has become the house of every unclean thing. Who's she? The uncircumcised soul that's living in human blood in whom the river of life, divine blood, has not yet conquered. So the fire of God is rising as the very blood flow of Jesus Christ thrown through our hearts to lift him up, to get you caught up into the place he is celestially. To learn his angelic ways. Jesus operated angelically after he had the Holy Spirit. But there was a mixture of his humanity, wasn't there? He was made perfect through what he suffered. 
Which means you're telling me he wasn't perfect at 30, 31, 32? No, the Bible tells you he wasn't perfect at 30, 31, 32. And he was made perfect. His perfection was the full demonstration of the Father's glory. He never sinned. That doesn't mean he sinned. It's just that he grew in perfection. Perfection is a degree of God's glory light. Perfection is not just being good like an animal. Perfection is how much glory you're emanating through your spirit. Perfection is the degree of the radiance of the Father. Hebrews 1, the outrain brilliance of the light being the exact measurement of God the Father's glory. He became that after 33 years. He had to grow in his angelic ability as a spirit with the soul inside the limitations of human flesh, just like all of us. And now he's helping us constantly interceding for us at the right hand of God for our spirits to get stronger in the radiance of his glory and the glory of his father constantly. How? Through obedience. Through believing the prophetic word. You'll get brighter and brighter by faith. Faith is the increase of God's light in your spirit. By faith they overcame. Hebrews 11. Amen? We'll end with that. Thank you, Jesus. Past faith, no. Now faith is the assurance. Now faith, future faith, when I'm more mature, no. The now faith, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Now faith, which is the presence of Almighty God in you, the now faith, that you are in the presence of His faith in you, through you, around you. Now you are the sons of God. Now you feel and see God, the now faith. That's living in the presence. Being the proof of things we do not see in the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. The internal transformation of the soul. Faith. Making that more valuable than what you can taste touch, smell, see or hear. See, faith is pleasuring God in spirit by the sacrifice of the transformation of the soul that's an invisible part of you that oftentimes brings no benefit to the physical senses. Especially when you're younger in the Lord. You're not in constant ecstasy. You're not continuously drunk because you don't have enough fruit. That's just the fruit of the wine vine. The fruits of joy have to grow in you. So people often don't think it's worth it because their senses don't get anything out of it until their soul's transformed and then their spirit billows out their senses. And I was like, yeah, really worth it. Yeah. Hey. Now my whole, all five of my senses are as fried as my soul is. But for a while there, you might not get anything for your senses because you're so young in the Lord. And if you keep at it, you'll grow your faith through your senses. And your senses will be as fried as your spirit is if you keep going. For by faith, trust, and holy fervor, holy fervor, I like that. Born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony, born to them, and obtained a good report. By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their in intended purpose by the word of God 
so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Prompted, actuated by faith, Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, because of which it was testified of him that he was righteous, that he was upright and right standing with God, and God bore witness by accepting and acknowledging his gifts. And though he died, yet through the incident he is still speaking. Because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven, so that he did not have a glimpse of death. And he was not found, because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony, still on record, that he had pleased and been satisfactory to God. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to God. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. (laughs) And as I said rewarder, I saw the increase of the brightness of the spirit within. Rewarder, which is the ability to be a creator God, a Yahweh. There's your rewards. Create a new earth. Prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed, and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this his faith was relied on God, he passed judgment and sentenced on the world's unbelief, and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance, and he went although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. Prompted by faith, he dwelt as a temporary resident in the land which was designated in the promise of God, though he was like a stranger. In a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with him of the same promise. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city, which has fixed and firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Mm. Glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our architect. The architect. God. Because of faith also, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it because she considered God, who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So from one man, though he was physically as good as dead, there have sprung descendants whose number is as the stars of heaven and as countless as the innumerable sands on the seashore. These people all died controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises, only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith, and all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents and exiles upon the earth. 
What are they waiting for? All of them waiting to be caught up into the celestial Jerusalem, the city. Now those people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland, their own country, heaven. If they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. But the truth is that they were yearning for and aspiring to a better and more desirable country that is a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God. See, what makes you the children of God is the desire of the heavenly place, the celestial dimension of the overcomer. Notice that's what this chapter is all about. That's what makes you the people of faith is desiring a country, not on earth, but in the angelic sphere. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, even to be surnamed their God. But who is not God's are those that are content in the earthly dimension. That's the difference between the false brethren and the true brothers and sisters in Christ is the yearning for their celestial home, not to die to go to be with him, but to create that dimension and that country in the mid heavens. Amen. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, even to be surnamed their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress, had already brought Isaac for an offering. He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son. Because it's still on the earth. This is not my promised land. My promised land is in the heavenlies. You get the promise, but you're still here. There has to be something more. Sacrifice it and go higher. Of whom it was said, though Isaac, through Isaac, shall your descendants be reckoned. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up, even from among the dead. Indeed, in that sense, that Isaac was figuratively, figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed. He did actually receive him back from the dead. With eyes of faith, Isaac, looking far into the future, invoked blessings upon Jacob and Esau. Prompted by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in prayer over the top of his staff. An upper place, the top of the staff. It's all speaking of the promised land of restoring what Adam and Eve lost in the fall. The desire of God's people in whom he possesses was to conquer back the celestial realm that the devils took for us from us in the fall of man. Understand that the true Christians will have the desire burning in them to conquer the heavenlies for the baptism of fire to not settle on the earth. Actuated by faith, Joseph, when nearing the end of his life, referred to the promise of God for the departure of the Israelites out of Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his own bones. Where? Zion. 
in the heavenly realm. Prompted by faith, Moses, after his birth, was kept concealed for three months by his parents because they saw how comely the child was and they were not overawed and terrified by the king's decree. Aroused by faith, Moses, when he had grown to maturity and become great, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, refused to be called earthly, because he preferred to share the oppression, suffer the hardships, and bear the shame of the people of God rather than to have the fleeting enjoyment of a sinful life. He considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ, the Messiah who was to come, to be greater wealth than all the treasures of earth or Egypt. For he looked forward and away to the reward and recompense in heaven. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind him, being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king, for he never flinched, but was held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. Come on. By faith, simple trust and confidence in God, he instituted and carried out the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts, so that the destroyer of the firstborn, the angel, might not touch those of the children of Israel. Urged on by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea and as though on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do the same, they were swallowed up by the sea. Because of faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encompassed for seven days by the Israelites. It really represents the falling of the celestial second heavens on the seventh day, which is what we're in now in the Jewish year 6022. Prompted by faith, Rahab the prostitute I want to also mention today, I was watching a Ruth Heflin video, never heard another prophet say this, but in 1999 she said that the Jewish calendar was changed by over 200 years, and in 1999 she said we're going into the year 6000 right now in the Jewish calendar. She said it during her live, recorded 23 years ago. I finally get expunged by someone else who's already gone into heaven decades later, because we've taken a lot of crap for that one. Thank you, Ruth. (laughs) People are like, where is that? Keep watching the videos. Prompted by faith, Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed along with those. And we have Rahab's scarlet ribbons on her camera. That's the grandma of Jesus. That's your grandma too. Your your grandma's a prostitute. It's true, in the genealogy of Jesus in the Bible. (laughs) Not destroyed along with those who refused to believe and obey because she had received the spies in peace without enmity. And what shall I say further? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, 300, chosen by drinking, Barak, Samson, pushing over the pillars of Babylon, Jephthah, David, where do we even begin with that one? Samuel, hallelujah. Let his oil be poured on your head and incinerate you in fire baptism tonight. And the prophets, 
who by the help of faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouths of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped the devourings of the sword, out of frailty and weakness won strength and became stalwart, even mighty and re resistless in battle, routing alien hosts. Some women received again their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured to death with clubs, refusing to accept release offered on the terms of denying their faith so they might be resurrected to a better life. Others had to suffer the trial of mocking, scourging, chains, imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith. They were sawn in half. They were slaughtered by the sword. While they were alive, they had to go around wrapped in the skins of sheep and goats, utterly destitute, oppressed, cruelly treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. See, the apostle is shaking the earth so you can go up into the celestial realm. Roaming over the desolate places and the mountains and living in caves, caverns, and holes of the earth. And all of these, though they won divine approval by the means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Because God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us, so that they, these heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence and appointed course of the race that is set before us, the ascension of fire, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him. It's like Selah. <laughs> Just think of him. And he's enduring all the crap from sinners, such grievous opposition, bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhaust, exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. Which is the pouring out of the river of life, amen? Yeah. Hey! 
Amen. Faith will pour out your spirit. And have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you, you are reasoned with and addressed as sons? My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction and discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage and give up and faint when you are reproved or corrected by him. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes, even scourges, every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. You must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons, as with spirits. Hallelujah! For what son is there whom his father does not thus train and correct and discipline. Now if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offspring and not true sons at all. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we yielded to them and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more cheerfully submit to the Father of Spirits? Now this is the greatest banner you could ever have over your soul. Father of spirits. And the fathering of spirits fathers your spirit into the equal radiance of the Father himself. That's what the transfiguration of your souls is. And so truly live. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time and chastised us as seemed proper and good to them. But he disciplines us for our certain good, that we may become sharers in his own holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness in conformity to God's will in purpose, thought, and action resulting in right living and right standing with God. So then brace up and reinvigorate and set right your slackened and weakened and drooping hands and strengthen your feeble and palsied and tottering knees and cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths. Just say happy paths. Everyone likes that. Hey, that's the path. Happy paths that go in the right direction. Can you believe that's in the Bible? <laughs> Hebrews 12, 13, Amplified Classic, happy paths. happy paths. That go in the right direction, so that the lame and halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. See, you're healed along the way. Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment 
and the many become contaminated and defiled by it, that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become a profane, godless, and sacrilegious person as Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you understand that later on, when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected, disqualified, and set aside, for he could find no opportunity to repair by repentance what he had done, no chance to recall the choice he had made, although he sought for it carefully with bitter tears. Let that put the fear of God in your hearts. For you have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, to a material mountain that can be touched, a mountain that is ablaze with fire, and to gloom and darkness and a raging storm, and to the blast of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg that nothing more be said to them. For they could not bear the command that was given. If even a wild animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the phenomenal sight that Moses said, I am terrified, aghast, and trembling with fear. But rather, you have come to Mount Zion even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless multitudes of angels in festal gathering, and to the church, assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to the God who is the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect and to jesus the mediator go between agent of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of abel which cried out for vengeance so see to it that you do not reject him or refuse to listen to and heed him who is speaking to you now for if they, the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed him who warned and divinely instructed them here on earth, revealing with heavenly warnings his will, how much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven, the eternal gospel preached from the angel in midair? Then at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he has given a promise, yet once more I will shake and make tremble not only the earth, but also the starry heavens. Starry heavens. Now this expression yet once more indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken, that is of that which has been created in order that that which cannot be shaken may remain and continue in the starry heavens. Let us therefore receive a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. Offer to God pleasing service, acceptable worship, with modesty, pious care, godly fear, and awe. 
for our God is indeed a consuming fire. <laughs> the baptism of fire for all of us to go up into our eternal heavenly Jerusalem in the starry heavens. It is written. Amen. Glory. <laughs> Give an offering into the message tonight. Click the links in the description. Sow your seed right into the heavenly Jerusalem in your new starry celestial home world and home country where you will live in the future as you sow into your future inheritance in that place by giving into this ministry, pioneering it for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.